Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Kindest Regards. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. My sincere apologies for the lack of episode last week. The flu completely took me by storm. I was bedridden for most of the week and I apologize if this week I'm still a little croaky. I'm still battling with the remnants of the flu from last week. I guess I'm just glad it wasn't COVID, but it was definitely like an influenza A or an influenza B because it was absolutely awful. Everyone needs to take care. I know there's a lot going around at the moment and the last thing anyone wants is to be sick or bedridden over the holiday period. I'm honestly just grateful that I almost got sick when I did. It's my birthday this week and I have a lot of fun stuff planned with my family and my friends over the next week or two. And then obviously where we've got Christmas parties and then actual Christmas and then I, my partner and I are heading away after New Year's. So I would have been really miserable if I had gotten that unwell over that period, but I'm still a little frightened that I'm going to get COVID, but let's just hope for the best and hope that it will spare me. Last year, I unfortunately got COVID when we went to Byron Bay, which was a couple of days after our engagement. We went away with it a couple that we're very close with and we all got hit with COVID. So we're heading to Byron again at pretty much the exact same time this year. And I would be so bummed out if I was to get COVID again and be miserable in Byron. So hoping for the best and praying that the sickness is behind me. Um, But jumping into this episode, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I'm going to start with something quite broad, but it was a question from a listener, and that's how to stay confident. I'm assuming I was asked this question because I appear to be confident, and I definitely have some tips and tricks on how to be confident, but I think I'll touch on my journey with my self-confidence because like everyone, it is a little bit of an up and down journey. Then I'm going to jump into creating a vision board. I have a lot of experience with vision boards and the benefit of them, so I'm going to talk through how to create a really good one. And then I'm going to wrap up with another sort of broad topic, which is about being young in the workplace and some of the struggles and some of the ways that I've countered those struggles in the workplace being on the younger side of a lot of the teams that I've been a part of and how to harness that in a positive way. Okay, jumping right into it, this is going to be a little bit all over the place, this topic, I feel, because it's a tough one, how to stay confident. Now, obviously, that could apply to, you know, every aspect of your life, confidence, whether it's social anxiety in the workplace, you know, confident in your own body, in your own body image, confidence in your ability to do certain things, but I think... It's the overarching theme of being confident kind of ends up seeping into every part of your life. But I think the journey for me and my self-confidence has been an ever-changing one. I would say coming out of high school, my self-confidence was really good. I think I had high self-confidence. I was feeling good about my ability to do things. I was excited about starting uni and I just gotten an internship. I was feeling very confident. I would say that I was in a not so great relationship and that definitely 
plummeted my self-confidence for sure. And then I kind of had to build that confidence back up. And I think that having your confidence affected in one aspect of your life, definitely it has the ability to ripple into others. And sorry, guys, I'm going to have a few coughing moments, I think, throughout this episode. And I think that that fluctuating self-confidence is completely normal. But I do think that there are some, I don't want to say tips and tricks, but like habits and really good uh, things to instill in your life to ensure that confidence is something that gets you through a lot of those hard times rather than something that plummets when you get into a little bit of a bad situation. And I think one thing that has really, really helped me, and I know that it sounds so, so silly, but it is faking it until you make it in some of my least confident moments, whether it's in the workplace and I'm feeling like I have no idea what I'm doing, particularly when I first started in some of my more senior roles. I really did feel it touches on imposter syndrome a little bit that I talked about um, in the last episode, but faking it until you make it can sometimes be the first step in developing real self-confidence. No one can tell if you're faking it or not. It's just only you know if you're faking your way through something. And I think something during that time that really helped me was just, you know, every day waking up and faking it, faking the confidence, feeling like, you know, people were going to notice. No one ever did. I was always able to feel that I was able to project an air of confidence. And that was enough at that point in my life. I didn't need deep, deep down to really be a hundred percent self-confident. And I don't know that it's natural or normal or even healthy. It can be a little delusional at that age. And you know, going into so many new situations to have 100% confidence because everyone's learning, everyone's growing. And sometimes just faking it is enough, you know, and and eventually it becomes authentic and it becomes real. And often people can't tell the difference. You'll know that you're potentially not 100% confident, but, you know, ask questions, give off the air that you are confident and you're confident in your ability. And I think that that can be half the battle is just knowing that you're capable of doing something and faking the rest of it. that That's kind of half the battle for me. I think something else that's really helpful, and it might sound so corny and so cliche and so silly, but it is a little bit around self-talk, but spending all of your time pointing out flaws in yourself and others can make it really, really easy to make that your default mode and it applies to yourself. So if you're pointing out flaws in others, you constantly notice people's downfall, pitfalls, faults. I think it makes it common as well for you to do that to yourself. So you'll spend a lot more time focusing on the negatives about yourself. I'm so guilty of this and it is a constant journey. I'm not saying in any way that I have, you know, the five tips to have incredible confidence and this is how to do it. I think it's a journey, but I know that when I empower others and I lift other people up, I find 
I start to be a little kinder to myself. Um, my mom would always tell me, like, speak to yourself the way you'd speak to your best friend. And I really do think that that is so helpful. You wouldn't bring your friend down. You wouldn't point out all the negatives. You wouldn't, you know, cripple her self-confidence. So it's kind of crazy that we do that to ourselves often in our most vulnerable moments, like when we're starting a new job or, you know, in embracing a new friendship or even if it's something superficial, like trying a new look that you've never worn before or something silly, but that actually does have a pretty real impact on how you're feeling about yourself and your self-confidence. I think when you empower others and you start to notice the good things in other people, it really does become more natural and easy for you to do that to yourself. And I think that that can be a journey. And obviously when naturally programmed to focus on the bad often, but it can be a good step to gaining confidence in a more authentic way. I think It's silly to touch on the topic of staying confident and having self-confidence without how to look confident as well as feel it within. And sometimes it is a little bit look good, feel good. If you look good, you look confident. Often that just becomes your state of being and you actually do end up feeling confident. I I do have like a few little tips about looking confident that I think... I've definitely employed in a lot of aspects of my life, but that I constantly have to remind myself to do. I think the first one is standing up straight. Posture to me is something I notice in other people and I always need to notice in myself. My partner, my family will often tap me on the shoulder and they say like, think of an angel lifting your ears up. You've got to have a strong posture. I think it's a big thing. Posture... Not only is it just good for your back to have good posture, but with all of us sitting down so often and being on our screens, I feel like our neck and our upper back is just like programmed to be like slightly hunched and having strong posture and having your shoulders back and your head up. And I think Tom calls it like the turtleneck, like, you know, when your neck kind of like leans forward, like push your chin back into your spine. That just, it's something I notice in other people when they walk really confidently and they've got really good posture. I'm like, oh, that's just like, it's the first thing. You're like, that person just like has an air of confidence. So sometimes when I'm feeling like I'm a little bit, I don't know, not feeling great, I do focus on my posture because I do think that it does set the tone of how you walk, how you come into a room. Even how you wear clothes, I feel like your posture has a huge impact on how clothes sit and how they look on your body. So if you're slouching and you're kind of like resting poorly or you've been sitting at your desk all day and you stand up, you can kind of look in the mirror and see that you've got like the turtle thing going on. Everything you're wearing will sit forward slightly and it just kind of like doesn't sit the way it's meant to. So I find standing up straight, focusing on my posture, some good... I know that there's some actual devices out there these days that can help you with your posture like obviously the typical back brace I've actually used one of those before and they're helpful you can put them like under your shirt so you can't see them I think I got mine on Amazon but yeah you can also get these little stick on things that you put in the back of your shirt that vibrate so it reminds you constantly to sit up straight because I think often that's half the battle is just remembering to stand up straight rather than actively trying not to. 
The next one is what you're wearing. I think the trick to self-confidence is to wear what you want, not to conform. I think it's often, you know, you think, oh, I'll wear what's trendy or I'll wear what other people are wearing because I'll fit in and that will make me feel more confident. I always find when I do that or in the times that I have done that, that's when I feel the least confident and the least like myself. Like, for an example... I bought two dresses recently, one for a family lunch for my birthday and one for a friend dinner. Now, the one that I bought for my family lunch was a very me dress and it felt good for me to wear it. I felt comfortable in it. It was a dress that suited me, suited my body type and that I feel good in and is, is matches my personality. The other dress that I bought was a little bit rogue and I thought, I'm just going to try it. It was all wrong. And I knew that it was all wrong when I ordered it. And I thought, no, like, it's really cool and it's going to look awesome. Like, I'm going to wear it anyway. No, I should have stuck to my gut. I should have worn what I actually wanted to wear and not what I thought was going to look cool and look cute. It's like whatever I was going to pick would have been fine. Like, I would have felt good in what I was wearing. So I have to reorder, find a new dress for that, which is fine. But the moral of that story, and even Tom said, like, that's just not you. Like, that dress doesn't like it doesn't even look like you it's not even something you would wear I don't it's crazy that you like picked that for your birthday because that's like your day like I don't know why you'd want to look like someone else so I just think going with your gut and sticking to what actually feels good for you and what you want to wear really does help with self-confidence because trying to be someone you're not kind of counteracts building your own self-confidence the next one is to minimize fidgeting. I'm a fidgeter. I've always been a fidgeter. I used to be a nail biter and I'm proud to say that I'm no longer a nail biter because I think that that's a dead giveaway that someone's feeling nervous or insecure or not confident. Um, and that can be, yeah, that, that can be a dead giveaway. Same as fidgeting though, playing with your hair, playing with your clothes, fiddling with stuff around you I feel doesn't really give off a super confident vibe and I notice in myself that when I'm anxious or nervous or I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable the first thing I go for is my hair I'm a hair fiddler I want to like fix my hair play with my hair it you know it'll be the first thing I do so I think not fidgeting just like being in a state of like calm just like focusing on whoever's speaking, focusing on what I'm doing. I don't need to be trying to distract my mind with playing with something else. I feel like that shows a really confident energy when you're just able to be in the environment that you're in and not feel the need to be preoccupied with something else. I think that that can even be being on your phone. Like put your phone down, just be, be. Even if you're by yourself and you're waiting for your coffee, sometimes I feel like I've got to be on my phone, like I've got to be distracted. Like there's something really cool about just being confident with your own company, being confident in the silence. You don't need to be constantly distracted. I think someone that's able to just be in the environment that they're in and hold their own, I feel is quite like sexy and confident. I don't know if that's making sense, but I feel like that's something that gives off a confident vibe. Eye contact is another thing when someone's sort of able to hold your eye contact that makes me feel like they're confident. It makes me feel like they're strong in what they're talking about. They have my attention. They want my attention and they're kind of 
able to hold the conversation I feel like that gives off a really confident energy and speaking with you know expression and authority and power in what you're talking about that gives off a really confident energy as well and I think all of those combined even if they're things you've got to constantly remind yourself of and constantly you know even if you have to write it down in your hand or you know something like that, have reminders on your phone, all of those little things start to become habits and they start to become who you are. And I think that can be a little bit of a confidence smoothie. I kind of like that, a confidence smoothie. All of those things give off an air of confidence. And I really do believe in faking it till you make it. And then all of a sudden that confidence is just who you are and it becomes a default. Okay, jumping straight into the next topic, which is vision boarding. Now, this is something I have a lot of experience with and I'm low-key pretty passionate about. I have been vision boarding since I was little. My mum was a big fan of vision boarding. I remember cutting up magazines and sticking them to cardboard as a family at the dining table, making vision boards for the year to come. And I absolutely loved it. I felt like it was such a great way to get your goals on paper in a really fun visual way. I'm definitely a visual learner. So sometimes vision boarding can be a way for me to feel really immersed in my goals and it can be sort of a more, you know, touch it, feel it way of seeing my goals come to life. I, when I lived at home, I'm, I obviously live out of home now, but when I was living at home, I used to have very regular sort of vision board updates, I guess. I would have a one year, three year and five year vision board and I would pin them up in my room. I would see them every single day. I think that's definitely one of the key tips and tricks to vision boarding is it's not something that you put in the back of your closet and never look at again. I would have them like blue tacked next to my bed. It was like the first thing I saw when I woke up in the morning. And I really do feel like that makes a massive, massive difference. I've just sort of thought in my head that some people might not have any clue what vision boarding is. Basically what it is, is finding visual representations of the goals that you have. It could be goals for the month, for the year, for six months, for five years, 10 years, whatever the case may be. And then putting that in a way like a collage or a way that feels right to you and then putting it in a place that you can see often. It's sort of a tangible way to sort of manifest your goals. Um, It's just basically a way to have positive visualization of things to come. I honestly have really high success with vision boarding. I did a TikTok way, 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 way back when, when I first started TikToking like 12 months ago. And one of the first ones I ever did was on vision boarding and how some of the main things that I had put in my vision board for two years, I think, had all come true and how crazy I thought that was. And I look at the vision board and show in the video like which ones came true and I just thought it was so crazy like down to like the couch that we had it was just in our first apartment we had this green couch that I loved it was like this velvet gorgeous couch and the photo in the vision board that I'd put up was like the same couch it was just weird like that certain things had happened certain ways and everything had sort of 
fallen into place. And obviously it's not just because I put some pictures on a vision board, but I do think that it forms part of your day-to-day fabric and it's always in the back of your mind that they're your goals. So you kind of consciously make decisions that take you one step, whether it's a tiny step or a big step towards those goals. So I would tend with vision boards to have sort of sections like one in like the top left corner could be images that inspire me for my career. So it could be very specific to the career that you're in, or it could just be more broadly like an energy that you want to embody in the workplace or you know, things you want to wear to work, things that inspire you to turn up as your best self at work. Or it could quite literally be like med school and you have a photo of like uni. It could be it could be anything like that. I know I did that with law school. Like I actually had, you know, law related things on the vision board to keep me inspired to finish my degree. And then I had aspects of my relationship, like finding, you know, my person and feeling safe in my relationship and having images that, you know, remind me that that's what I'm looking for and that's what I want. And I think that that, weirdly enough, like it does remind you every single day, okay, that's what I'm looking for. And it sits in the back of your mind. I had ones for, at the time I was living at home. So I really wanted to take that step and move out and how I wanted my apartment to look and little things like that. It, it makes every single day when you wake up, you know, it it's actually really, really powerful and inspiring. I'm not sure if everyone's a visual person or feels the same way about seeing something every day. You know, you might want to write a list and look at that list every day. But if you're a visual person, it is kind of like seeing a Pinterest board just come to life in your day-to-day life. I know that I went to Kmart with my last vision board and got like a cork canvas and like cute little pins. And then I actually Pinterested all of the images, found all the ones that resonated with me for different aspects of my vision board, actually went and got them printed at the little Kmart self kiosks, printed them and put them on the court canvas and put it on my desk. And that was ideal for me. And it also like, it kind of formed a little part of home decor as well. Like it's, it's really personal and inspiring to you, but it was done beautifully. It wasn't sort of rushed or, you know, bits and pieces from everywhere, which is obviously fine as well, whatever works for you. But for me, like having that really like beautiful, I took time to make this vision board. I took time to do it properly, to print them properly and set it out the way that I wanted to, like really helped me when I looked at it to just like feel warm about the goals that were coming up in my future. Obviously, it can be a bit time consuming to vision board. So I would probably recommend if you're doing it properly and you are investing time not to do them like monthly or like three monthly. I would say six to 12 is probably realistic. And then you could maybe have like five or 10 years, but it can be hard to plan that far in the future or even have goals that far in the future. So you can put little things that relate to further down the line on the one vision board. I think that that's what I ended up doing just because it was a little bit easier. Um, I currently don't have a vision board at the moment just because I think most of the things on my last vision board have actually sort of come to fruition. So I'm definitely due to make my next one. So I think that's going to be something I'm going to do over my holiday break next month when I have time off work and I'm spending time with family and with friends and I'm just enjoying some downtime. I am going to 
vision board the heck out of a new one. And I'm actually really, really excited to do that because some of the goals that I have and Tom and I have and things that we want to do in the future and that I have planned for my career and my journey, I think are really exciting and get me really, really motivated. And I want to see that represented every day somewhere that I can look. So I'm excited to make my new vision board and I hope that I've inspired some of you guys to make one. I'm tempted to post my old one on the Kindest Regards pod Instagram as an image I feel like that's a super vulnerable thing, almost as vulnerable or actually more vulnerable than posting my Pinterest board and making it public, my Pinterest account. I think posting your vision board is really personal, but I think I might do it because I put it on TikTok ages ago anyway. I just feel like, you know, posting it on the feed's a little bit real, but I'm going to do it because I think it can be really helpful for you guys to see what I'm talking about. Um, and hopefully you guys will find it helpful to create a vision board and maybe it's something you can do over the festive season. Okay. So jumping into the last segment of the pod, I'm going to be talking about the experience of being young in the workplace, which I know sounds like sort of a broad, bizarre topic, but I think there's a lot to learn and a lot to be said for the experience of being young in the workplace and some of the challenges that can come with that, particularly if you've entered a corporate environment quite young. I can't speak for every industry or for other aspects of the workplace, but I think corporate environments that are predominantly often you know, proper grown-ups. When I say that, I mean like, you know, it could be partners in a law firm or, you know, people that are very, very experienced and uh, older just by nature and often male-dominated. I think sometimes being young and female in the workplace can be a really daunting experience. And I think that there can be a lot of challenges that you're kind of faced with that are sort of out of your control and combating that can be really challenging, particularly when you're young and you're a little bit inexperienced in that environment. It can be quite difficult to know how to take certain things. And often you can kind of catch yourself behaving a certain way to try and combat the stereotype. I know that I certainly have. Um, I would say that I probably don't have the luxury of saying that I'm like young in the workplace anymore. I'm, you know, nearly 25. I'm younger, but you know, I'm not the youngest person in the workplace. I I would say that I don't have, when I'm sorry, guys, coughing all the time. When I'm speaking about the workplace places that I've experienced, I would say it's definitely not the one I'm in now, just because working at a big four, there's a lot of grads. There's a lot of people that are young and, you know, just starting out their careers. There's a lot of young people wandering around and in different aspects of the firm. So I would say this isn't something that I've experienced or noticed in my current workplace, but definitely have noticed it in previous ones. And I think a lot of people would notice this in various industries. I think that commenting on people's age in the workplace is always inappropriate, but the amount of times I've had someone say to me over the last five years when they found out how old I was and made a comment about it, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're so young or, oh, I didn't know that you could, you know, that kind of, uh, how would I explain this? Like when someone makes a comment 
kind of trying to give you a compliment that you're doing well, but like for your age. Does that make sense? Like it's sort of like it's a backwards compliment and you're kind of like, okay, I don't really know how to digest that or take that. And I think it is often because if you're doing well at your job, people can sometimes be shocked that you're doing well given you're young and you're able to take in information maybe quicker than they thought you would or you're more competent than they thought you'd be and you can't really can you can't control the intent behind a comment like that but I think you'd never comment on how old someone was if they were older like oh I can't believe you're doing your job so well for like an old man like it's it's just like a weird thing to say it's like my competence isn't dictated by how old I am my competence isn't dictated by how old you think someone needs to be to be good at this job and I think sometimes it can be kind of an uncomfortable thing to even bring up if someone's you know younger than you think they should be or anything like that and I think that it's really easy to take those comments on but being young in the workplace can also be like a really powerful thing because often I know that in my current workplace there's definitely an emphasis on wanting people to be involved in you know changing the culture of a company and making sure that you have a voice and you have a say and you know often when you're younger you do have a potentially different viewpoint on things you have a different way of doing things and if you're working for a progressive company or a company that does like to take on board the views of the people that work there I think being young can be a really powerful tool to initiate and inspire change from within within and I think that that can be really powerful but I think on the day-to-day tasks depending on what your superiors look like it can be kind of a weird place to be if you are substantively younger than everyone else that you're working for. I know that something I focused on when I started sort of working in a corporate environment was trying to reduce my use of filler words because I do feel like it's a young thing to do or it felt to me like it was an immature habit now I still do it and it's not something that I'm completely going to get rid of whether you're like a millennial or gen z it's something that you do and it's just a habit that we've all picked up to various degrees, whether it's, you know, adding like into every sentence or um, or giving off sort of an air of youth (laughs) because of the way that you speak, I think was something I was always a little bit insecure about. And it was something that I noticed that older, more mature people in that environment weren't doing. So I thought that it was something I had to cut out. I'm a little less focused on it now because I don't think that that should change you know, whether or not I'm speaking about something with authority, but I do think it can be a good habit to get out of, I guess, you know, using like as, you know, every other word. I do it. I do it all the time, but I think I was probably worse, you know, in high school and just coming out of high school where it was, you know, common vernacular to use it like every word, like, like every word. Was that me doing it just then? I don't even know, but it was something that was really common and it could be arms or ours or, you know, feeling like you're not speaking with authority was something I felt like I needed to focus on a lot. I also felt like I needed to look older. So I would probably wear makeup a little thicker and heavier than I do now and dress a lot older. And I felt like that was going to somehow make me appear like I was older. I I don't think it gave off that impression at all. And if anything, it potentially was counterproductive because it kind of just looks like you're trying to be older. But just 
there's no need to try and fool people into thinking that you're older than you actually are. I think it's just having a bit of a mindset shift and confidently do your job when it's done well, when you're doing your job well, do it confidently. But also I think a sign of maturity in the workplace is if you mess something up or you didn't do something right and you get called out on it or you make a mistake, taking that on the chin as well is a sign of maturity. And I think that that can often make you appear, you know, confident and strong. And, you know, it, it doesn't give off an immature vibe if you're able to cop things on the chin and be like, yeah, you know, noted for next time, my bad. Um, I think that that's important. And I don't think that you should feel the need if you are young in your work environment to feel the need to act older or, you know, to feel insecure about the fact that you're younger. I think trying to reframe that and be like how incredible is it that I'm in this position and in this environment young so that I can a try and inspire change and you know encourage different ways of doing things but also b like I get to spend time with a lot of really experienced experts and how great is that that I get to do that at a young age rather than coming in when I'm older and I have less time so I think that it can be reframed to be a really positive thing to be starting in a certain workplace young. That's all for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And once again, so sorry for missing last week's episode. I'm hoping to be able to get an episode out each week for the foreseeable future. Uh, Please head to the Kindest Regards pod Instagram for any tips uh, that you might have for upcoming episodes, topics, thoughts, feelings, things you want me to talk about. Um, I'm trying to create a I've got a very hefty list that I'm going to get through, but I'm trying to prioritize them based on how many people ask for a certain topic. So feel free to message me any questions, queries. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. So I will speak to you next week.